understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hello scumbags and welcome to episode number 3 of the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. This week we'll look back at the Backlash pay-per-view, the train wreck that it was, and look forward to Money in the Bank pay-per-view and all the activities leading up to it with qualifying matches. Followed by that, we'll look back at some of the goings-on around the ring and outside the ring of WWE, and we'll finish off with our independent wrestling report with a call in from David Sisson with War of the Worlds from ROH this past weekend and we talk about the All In show and Staircast coming to Chicago during Labor Day weekend. We'll wrap up this week's show with our scumbag spotlight looking on Dylan Andrews We'll be right back after this message with our special guest roundtable and all the news worth talking about. Have you seen our Scumbags Wrestling t-shirts? Have you thought, hey, those are pretty cool and I'd love to have one too? Well, you can. Just contact me or go to Twisted Tees and find out how you can get your own Scumbags Wrestling t-shirt. We currently have two designs, the old Superstars of Wrestling parody logo and the commemorative Raw 25th Anniversary Scumbags of Wrestling parody logo. These shirts are amazing and have great quality thanks to Twisted Tees and you can get yours for $25. And if there's enough interest in getting a whole bunch of shirts then I'm willing to go up to Alora and pick him up and get us a good deal with money going to charity. Just last month, we sold some t-shirts and were able to donate $50 of the profits towards Cody Diener's Giver for Charity. So if you'd like to continue helping out, that'd be awesome. And you can look great in one of our Scumbags Wrestling t-shirts. Be a proud scumbag, buy a shirt, support Twisted Tees, and Cody Diener. Be a loud and proud scumbag. Buy a shirt. Okay, we're uh, going off with episode number three of the 
Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. Right now, I got Gord on the line. How are you doing, Gord? Not bad, man. Not bad. How about you? Yeah, doing pretty good. It's been kind of a busy uh, time myself, racing around in my personal life. But yeah, need to sit down and like to pound out some talk about wrestling. So it's always a good, relaxing time. Yep. I Same believe. Thing, busy. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a struggle to get this episode going, but I think <laughs> if we're doing it from our own homes, it should be good. And now we got Nathan joining us. How are you doing tonight, Nathan? I'm doing, <clears throat> doing fantastic right now, boys. Uh, thanks for uh, having me on. As always. How are you really guys? Fit. Yeah, we're doing good. Fantastic. So there's been kind of a quiet week after all the WrestleMania, the shakeup, uh, greatest Royal Rumble and backlash. And so we're kind of in a lull at the moment waiting for money in the bank. But there has been some things coming up and we can look back at backlash. Um, Yeah, without question, it was pretty much the worst pay-per-view panned by most fans. Uh, What's your thought on it? George? I I don't really, honest to God, like I really don't remember much of it. I actually fell asleep in that pay per view m- multiple times. Woke up at the end of it, and I was yeah, it was not good. Nothing memorable whatsoever to me. And Nathan, uh, for me, I was unable to watch it when it happened. Uh, for I don't even recall the reason why. Um, but uh, uh, after uh, you know catching. Uh, I wanted to find out why people were leaving during the Reigns Moa Joe match. Um, and I mean, neither of those guys, again, like, they don't excite me too much. I mean, I, both of them put on good matches, but I don't. I just wanted. So, anyway, I watched that. Um, a lot of, a lot of just like, what in the heck? You know, what, you know, what's with the double count out? Like the the WrestleMania, uh, Shinsuke and uh, AJ Styles match should have been like the match of the of the year, you know, or or for a long time it should, you know. And uh, now, what the heck are they doing? Like, it's just going to be another match between them now at Money in the Bank, like this third or fourth, if you count the Saudi Arabian little, uh, you know, massage with the happy ending there. Those two uh, families. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's kind of nothing's. It's like the two last pay per views: the greatest wrestling or the greatest Royal Rumble, and the uh, and this uh, backlash. Absolutely, it didn't count. They did nothing. The story they weren't enjoyable. It was like I guess the best thing that came out of the greatest Royal Rumble was. Uh, Titus O'Neil's uh, great entrance, uh, flying himself all the way down under the under the under the ring there. That was pretty amazing, and uh, the constant replays, the uh, RKO out of nowhere, uh, YouTube videos that have come out, or the gifs or whatever they are, you know. Uh, so that makes me smile quite a bit, uh, and also uh, watching the botchmania of the backlash also proves uh that um you know 
and more often, more oftentimes than not, it's the it's the botches and the the loud calling and the muting of Roman Reigns' audience, like the re- fan reaction. Oh, like it's just funny to see it all happen and how much they try to hide or edit out or whatever. You, know, you can't fight Twitter or Reddit. People are going to talk about whatever. So hopefully I have high hopes for money in the bank, but at the same time, who the hell knows? Yeah, exactly. Like it almost seems though the up until the first half of WrestleMania, things were going really good. And then, uh, the second half of WrestleMania happened and it fell off the tracks and even they're still trying to figure out what they're doing, uh, going forward. And yeah, the greatest Royal Rumble was pretty much as people thought a glorified host show that lasted way too long. And then with backlash, everybody remembers the great uh, performance of Seth Rollins and the Miz and then question what the use for the uh, Bobby Lashley Strowman tag team match was when nothing happened in that one. Everybody was leaving during the Reigns and uh, Samoa Joe match and what should be one of the greatest feuds currently going on the, uh, in WWE with Shinsuke and AJ has been turned into a glorified who can hit each other in the uh, nuts the hardest and live, I guess. Uh, and yeah, as you said, that's leading to another match at um, Money in the Bank with those two. What I found confusing with uh, that is also how they're setting that match up tonight on SmackDown. Uh, both of them are facing each other. Again, without the title online, but the winner gets to choose the stipulation for the Money in the Bank match, which I don't understand that myself when why couldn't they keep them away from each other and still have the opportunity to do the stipulation, but they could have done a beat the clock challenge. Any thoughts? Yeah, I don't really know what they're doing with those two guys because everybody I'm sure will agree that everyone had like a thousand percent interest in that feud had it been, you know, in the first match, everyone went in and stoked to see it. And now it's like, this is four or five matches now, three, four or five and nothing, nothing amazing is happening when we all know that those two guys could give amazing and that they're just doing, like you said, nut shots and, and, whatever else right and people are going to walk away from it by the time three and four and five happens no one's going to give a flying crap anymore about that that feud and it's unfortunate really yeah they deserve a whole lot better than what there's being given to them to have to perform i think also when you look at uh the feuds that are going on in the independent circuit right now like typically with uh you know the young bucks Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, um, like, like the Shinsuke AJ Styles feud is is should be at the same level. It should be surpassing the level of those guys. And yet, it's just a comic book show. It's a cartoon show for kids that even kids think it's stupid. And yet, you can watch these quality matches. 
that WWE wrestlers should be having and are even better, you know, than the performers elsewhere. But uh, for whatever reason, man, it's just a, a cluster frig of, uh, of, of just really questionable writing, you know, and, and the direction just, uh, you know, they're certainly trying to focus more on the entertainment than they are the wrestling. Uh, my gosh, it's like both are at polar opposites right now instead of working together. You know, yeah, like the the roster itself, from top to bottom, really, there's only a few gaps where you go, oh, do I really want to see that guy? But they have probably the best roster they've had in years, yet the storyline value is diminishing what their in-ring uh, performance is. It makes me wonder if all this talent's, you know, going into each arena from night after night and moaning and groaning when they're pulling in going, oh, God, what are they going to have for me tonight? Because like, I, I can't imagine that something – like, a lot of this talent's young, and a lot of it is top, top, top tier athletic, top, top tier, uh, you know, good talent. And I can't imagine they want to do these stupid storylines, you know, but there's a, it's obviously a paycheck. It's their job. They have a boss and all that kind of stuff. I just can't imagine they're super thrilled. Yeah, I, with the way it's going, I'd uh, be looking forward to, even as a fan, going to a house show where storylines really don't matter as opposed to going to TV where you're pretty much walking away disappointed in what's being thrown out at you. And it's more about storyline than the performance. I've, I've often wondered that for the last, like, say, year or so now. Like, if you look at the majority of the WWE roster now, a lot of the guys that are even on the main shows are have come up th- through some way, have come up through NXT, even back to Seth Rollins and all the original guys, Bray Wyatt and stuff. And a lot of them were in the indies before that. And, you know, they were putting on these high-energy, top-quality matches in the indies because that's what they do. And then in NXT, we see a whole different brand of – wrestling down there so i would say compared to the up you know on the main roster and then they come up to this main roster and you got these you know seven star matches on nxt with a guy like tyler breeze and then on the main roster he's an afterthought yeah you know i I don't understand it for the life of me yeah tyler breeze is such a wasted character i mean it's entertaining it's fun but he's a friggin' talented son of a gun too and uh the hell are they doing with him you know, and I can say that about like probably a dozen or so guys that have come up from NXT in the last little while. And on NXT, you're just rooting for them like crazy. You think this guy, oh, he's got it or whatever, and then boom, they get up top, and it's like what? Like I don't know. Like, it's just so crazy to me. Like, with the exception of a couple guys like Mojo Raleigh and stuff like that. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, so Triple H sees their talent and is exposing them and letting them be who they want to be, but then. They're going up to the main roster, and I guess beforehand when you were in OVW and FCW and everything like that, you were dying to be able to go to the main roster. I wonder how many of these NXT stars are going, uh, can I just stay here, please? I don't want to go up yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, they at the same time, too, right? They want you know, the big contract, the big yeah. money. There's all of that stuff in the play. It's a, you know, I, I get it, but I mean, like, man, like, 
I just look at it as from a fan's perspective, and uh, sometimes I always think as I'm watching wrestling, and I've been, and I'm not, and I'm not kidding when I say it. I've been falling asleep a lot during wrestling, and I don't, and I don't usually bash wrestling at all. And you know, uh, every every character I understand and whatever, and I've been falling asleep. Even last night during Raw, I fell asleep and woke up at twenty after eleven. And I mean, I just I wish I could sit down with Vince or something. One of the like, I always think I wish I could just talk to him from my perspective, man. Like, not that he would listen, but I wish, like, man, like there's so much that I see that they, they, they I don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, and I hate to uh, bash it as well because I am diehard just like everybody else, and that's why we do this podcast. But yeah, I, there's times I'm just like, okay, I, right now I can miss it, and I can't believe I'm actually saying that. And then I did get to meet Vince McMahon and I thought, wow, he's like, you're a freaking genius. And it was just at the same time when Austin and McMahon were feuding, but now you look at 2018 and it's almost as though the business has passed Vince by, but he's going to be there until he actually dies at the gorilla position. Well, there's something to be said too back then. And when you met him in the Austin era and stuff, there was legit competition, right, with WCW and stuff like that. So those guys were coming back there, and I think they were given a little bit of freedom that when, when they were like they were working with creative to make their storylines, right. And when anything was going to go, is there anything they could do to get the ratings? Now that Vince has a stranglehold on the business, pretty much, I mean, they, they don't need that. They can hire a creative team and just say, "This is what we're going to tell you what to do, and this is what you're going to do." And that's why I kind of think with all this stuff happening with the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and everything, God, that's good for business. I hope to God they, they become, you know, their, their own entity and, and bring a real sense of competition to WWE because they need it. True. So I guess looking forward to what's going on the last couple of weeks and uh, we're walking into the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And for some reason – the men's uh, side has filled up, I think, up until tonight. There's seven of eight spots that have been filled. Yet the women are going week by week, only adding one woman from each side. And so they're dragging out a little bit more. So I'm kind of hoping that they have something in store for the men to stretch it for the next couple of weeks since it's all already full. Um, but. For those who are not aware, the, the men's side has The Miz, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Rusev, Kevin Owens, Bobby Roode, and one of the members of the New Day as they beat The Bar tonight. And that leaves one spot open. Just looking at that list, who do you see coming out of it and what would you like to see done with that briefcase if you want to do some fantasy booking, Nathan, go. Um, man, you know what? You could do good things with almost any one of those guys. Uh, I mean, the uh, you know, it it, w- it would seem maybe the uh, one of the choices would be uh, Ron Strowman. Take it. Uh, but who knows who that uh, final guy would be? Maybe it's uh, Undertaker, John Cena, or, uh, Paul Hogan. 
you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah. Or So I think Braun Strowman would be, the, uh, would be an excellent, I mean, you can book that. I mean, he's just the, the dominant force. He probably, like, it would be funny if he just wins that. And then the next night on Raw, somehow wins the belt. And so he's got the belt and money in the bank for the next year and is, like, just basically untouchable. And, like, he could lose the title, but then immediately snap out of it, cash in money in the bank, and then beat the crap out of, like, and take the belt back, you know? Uh, With Finn Balor, um, yeah, I guess he's, he. you know, it's just unfortunate. It's just the writing right now with him and WWE, like that's just coming back. Uh, him having the money in the bank. I mean, he's a good competitor, but he's not a money in the bank uh, briefcase holder at this point. Maybe he would have been at this point if he wasn't injured for a year before, right? But uh, they've got to build him up a bit more. The Miz, yeah, you could do anything with the Miz, absolutely 100%. Second to Braun Strowman, as far as I'm concerned, have money in the bank for him, uh, and it would be great. Same with Rusev, uh, you know, and he's a legitimate threat to uh, you know because he's a big guy, but he's also agile. Uh, Bobby Roode, he won't get it just because uh, I mean he's already been American champion or whatever. He doesn't need the money in the bank. He's gonna keep. Uh, they're actually probably going to fucking unwrite him or it's part of my French, but uh, they'll probably screw up his uh, character in the next year. And uh, who knows? Right. But uh, uh, Kevin Owens, he's just been, he's better at just being the unholder, like crybaby right now. Uh, he's good at playing that role. Any one of the, the new day, the, uh, that's just because all three of those guys are excellently talented, both, uh, like what they do in the ring, but also just how, how they act in the ring. Uh, so I don't know. I, I would say either Braun Strowman or The Miz. And both of those guys, you could book it any any which way for the next year, and it would be fantastic. Cool. And Gord, what do you think? Okay. Uh, my four thoughts on it are I don't think it will go to Braun Strowman because I think the guy is so massive and so over that – he doesn't even need a briefcase. He's going to get a title someday. So unless they, unless they ultimately screw up with him, he's getting a title at some point in time. I don't know how, but he will all. And then my three, as far as what we have in front of us right now, I, my fantasy, I guess my fantasy booking would be to give the briefcase to Finn Balor and, but have not the Finn Balor as we see now, maybe have some interference or something with the club. And then it becomes a little bit more of a heel Finn Balor. And he's like carrying around a briefcase for a year or six months or eight months. But he's a badass. That's with what we're given right now. I think the last entrant is going to end up being Elias. And I think he's actually going to win it. And then he'll have the briefcase and he'll go from town to town when he's singing his song. And he'll have a briefcase with him and all that kind of stuff. That's what I think will happen. What I want to happen overall is I want the last contender to be uh, our last entrant to be Sami Zayn, and I want Sami Zayn to win it because I feel like he could be awesome with the briefcase. I just feel like, and he's so talented and awesome to watch, I feel like he could be wicked with the briefcase. 
Yeah, that's uh, interesting uh, scenarios. Um, yeah, it, that list can go either way. I'm just surprised Rusev got in because, you know, he beat Daniel Bryan clean. Uh, Braun Strowman, if he were to win, I could almost see him doing what RVD uh, pulled off with calling his spot of when he's going to cash in and maybe put Brock Lesnar on notice that, hey, it's SummerSlam, this contract, I'm cashing. Bobby Roode, he might be able to use it because, well, right now, he's just a theme song. Kevin Owens, yeah, the way he's whining, he could be the sneaky guy trying to cash in. I do like your Sami Zayn uh, idea uh, there, Gord. And with Miz... That could be interesting scenario if he uh, claimed that and tried to help Daniel Bryan win the title just to try and cash in, and that could f- help fuel their thing. But I don't even know if they – well, actually, honestly, I don't think they need a title anyway uh, between Daniel Bryan and the Miz, but it definitely would make for a fun storyline trying to do that one with them. So I guess my pick, excuse me, my pick would probably be uh, Braun just because I want to see him put uh, Brock on notice for SummerSlam. I absolutely agree with Nathan. I actually, it's, uh, it's scary. I feel it. I feel that uh, I'm watching them flush Bobby Roode down the toilet. I feel that. I feel like he, they're going to F up his character. I I can just, it's almost like I'm watching it from he, like you said, he's just, he has a theme song right now. Yeah. He was brought up. He's prime example. He's another Tyler Breeze, like brought up, but uh, like they shouldn't have made him champion right off the get go. You don't give that guy that. Like he's still at the bottom. Like give him, give him room to grow. And he's better off as a heel character, not a face. It was oh, great that they be- brought him in with the theme song and everybody popped for him. But he should have been like, "Why are you doing that? I don't even like you people." He should be a, a Ric Flair when Ric Flair was a badass. And same type thing, and it would still work. It was, it was one of those things that it, could, it would work, you know, again. And exactly, he, he, people would st- – yeah, even though he's the, uh, the ultimate heel, people would still get out of their seats and pop when his, came, music, his music came on, It'd be, and then he could be a jerk. They do it for Elias every single week, and he comes out, and they all pop and cheer, and then he sits on this little stool and disses the city. And every week after week, it works. Yeah. yeah, it's old school on that one. Um, on the women's side, they're only halfway done as of tonight, and they have Ember Moon, Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, and as of tonight, Becky Lynch is part of the women. Do you see any of those four taking it, or does the uh, winner still have to be announced over the next couple of weeks? Who was it again? Charlotte, Becky, Ember. Ember. And- and Alexa. Oh. Hmm. I could see Alexa getting the briefcase. I don't think she needs it, but I could. But I would like to happen fantasy wise with what we're given so far. Again, is uh, it would be kind of neat to keep Carmella as a champion. I think this would be really neat, but keep Carmella as a champion and keep her running her mouth because she's awesome at it. And then have Charlotte win the briefcase and Charlotte pull the same shit on Carmella that Carmella's been doing for the past few months before she won and just taunting 
you know, Carmella with the briefcase, just playing the game and getting right up in Carmella's head again. And then that could make for, you know, extend the feud and make it interesting. Yeah. And that um, money in the bank, it uh, has been announced that Carmella will defend against Oscar. And another match that was announced last night for God knows what reason. And this could be our next topic of opinion is the Raw Women's Champion Nia Jax challenged Ronda Rousey. So, why is Ronda Rousey getting a title shot after only one tag team match at WrestleMania? And why is the champion putting out the challenge? Uh, I saw, I saw it all over the Facebook groups, all over the internet, and people were up in arms about it, and it's, it, it made me laugh because it, it's actually true. If you, you know, there's no way around it. But they, um, they said from the moment Ronda Rousey came in, oh, we're gonna, I want to earn my dues, and all that kind of stuff, right? Blah blah blah. Well, they're trying to fast track Ronda as a champion, and the only way they can do it without eating, without eating their words is have Nia be the big badass champion and go up and challenge Ronda and lose. Meanwhile, just weeks ago, she was the bullied champion by a small woman and now the larger woman is going to bully a UFC champion? Well, she, no, she did it in a, in a friendly manner. It, it, was on, it was the weirdest thing I ever seen. It was like some sort of backstage thing and she came up to Ronda and I think Charlotte was there as well yeah. and and she just basically was pretty much nice about it and then Charlotte was coaxing Ronda do it take it take it and then they all hugged and walked away the three of them it was like the weirdest thing ever like okay it, 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 I saw a comment somewhere and it, and it makes sense and unless Nia wins and, and they got something planned that we don't know that we are, are not thinking about here but Nia is pretty much a placeholder champion at this point in time she's just holding it until Ronda gets it yeah Nathan your thoughts uh, on that or on the money in the bank? Or in uh, both. Yeah. Um, Women's money in the bank and then the uh, challenge by uh, Naya. Well, I don't know. Uh, with the money in the bank, I guess. Uh, with, uh, you know, it's like it's safe. Uh, Hugger one. Uh, what's her name from the Heart Foundation? Uh, uh, sorry, you're fading out there, Nathan. Oh, sorry. So yeah, no. Uh, so I would say I think it's it's pretty obvious who the final what five four uh, girls will most likely be. Uh, I actually think it. I mean, apart from the fact that, yeah, it should be a decent match, really. Um, and uh, you know, certainly <laughs> that ongoing uh, the, the the oh man, I can't remember the Sasha Banks and uh, Bailey will probably fuel their feud. If it Sure, one of them will screw another one, or they'll screw each other out of getting it. But uh, uh, I would say almost any one of those winners, uh, whoever the final four will be, uh, but any of those winners, 
against either like and going on to face what I assume will probably see as a champion time for SummerSlam. Unless we get swerved. Which maybe we will. Maybe it'll be a Nia Jax, Ronda Rousey feud at SummerSlam. Probably sell too. Maybe they're going to find out if it will sell. I don't know. But uh, if Nia Jax is a placeholder and Ronda Rousey ends up taking the belt, then next big huge event for SummerSlam. Charlotte Flair putting on a good match with Ron Lesbian putting on a good match with Ron um, And uh, uh, Natalia probably put on a good match with Ron so We'll see what happens. Well, it looks like they are somewhat setting the table for Natalia and Ronda to have a little feud somewhere down the line. Whether I don't know if it'll be what for the belt or whatever, if, if Ronda wins or not, I don't know. But there, it looks like they're you know she'll probably turn on her at some point in time, Natalia. Yeah, that could be a, a teacher versus student type thing because uh, Natalia is claiming that uh, she's the one who was training Ronda to become a uh, professional wrestler after UFC. You know, what would be really, really good though for Money in the Bank. I think they, I don't even think they have a, a thought about it, but. They should have done a, another Money in the Bank match for the 205 roster and had them be able to challenge for that belt. Could you imagine putting seven of those, or eight of those guys in the match together? <laughs> well, there is that uh, opportunity, but I've also heard a rumor that they might try and pull a tag team Money in the Bank together. Huh. And so there'd be three Money in the Bank ladder matches, regardless of who's in it or what division, but each division would end up having their own money in the bank. So hopefully the attention comes. Nah. The, hopefully the B team would come out on that one because that's what I'm all about right now. <laughs> oh, not the Ascension? No, the B team. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Brizango. I could be down with those guys, Brizango. Yeah. Oh, well, imagine them carrying designer briefcases. Oh, yeah. Matching designer fashion briefcases, handing out tickets inside the briefcase. <laughs> so I guess the other thing, uh, the last one for Money in the Bank is the fact that we're obviously going to get Roman versus gender. And I guess the mentality that I've been seeing on here uh, around the Internet is that they're hoping that putting those two together, gender will have so much hate that – Roman will actually get cheered. Do you think that will happen, or is it going to just be a match that falls flat on its face and boot out of the building because people hate both people, or uh, gender gets cheered? I think there's going to be a few things. I think overall, you're going to a lot of people are going to get up and leave again. That's going to happen. Neither character, people don't. Some people have taken the gender, but not a lot of people have taken to them. No one really cares about either of those guys enough, so a lot of people will leave. And I think you will just, man, they're not, they, they were never able to get Roman where they want Roman. And it's clearly obvious to anybody that's paying attention. And people are going to probably, there's, there's gonna, probably going to be more cheers for Jinder than there will be for Roman just by default because people don't want to cheer for Roman. And Nathan? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think it doesn't matter where they put that match. People are going to just walk out during the match regardless of when it is. And it would be even worse if they put it midway through and everybody springs off into the lobby for 20 minutes and then appears back. I mean, like, (laughs) talk about, I mean, the whole walking out thing in Payback has become, it's almost or at least now that it was tweeted in such a way that people took notice, like, how was that not a way to uh, protest? Before? Yeah, the fans are definitely letting their voice be heard by walking out. And, hey, the concession stand would uh, enjoy it if uh, that happened during the uh, mid-match, uh, like mid-card, oh, yeah. as opposed to being the closing match where everybody's beating the traffic. It's kind of unfortunate, too, because I, personally speaking, I like Roman Reigns. I never had a problem with the guy. I don't like what they're doing with him, but I like him. Yeah. Jinder Mahal, Jinder Mahal, same thing. Like, I was not a Jinder fan in the early years when he was paired up with Kali. I didn't care for him in the three-man band. But, man, he's done a complete 360. He's worked his ass off, and he's made a good character for a top heel character, you know, right now. And I don't hate his – I don't hate watching him. But – these two being put together for a match isn't what the wrestling fans want to see. It's clearly obvious and that you're not going to see a good reaction for it. Okay. So uh, thanks a lot for uh, that uh, round table that we just did. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and uh, come back with uh, some WD news and opinions uh, beyond the two pay-per-views that we just discussed. So we're right back, okay? All right. And that was your Ontario Independent Wrestling Report, brought to you by Rockin' Con, featuring Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister, Peter Criss, the legendary drummer of Kiss, and the queen of metal, Lita Ford. A kicking convention that provides a true VIP experience with an all-access pass to rock out. June 8th through 10th at the London Music Hall in London, Ontario. For more information on how do you get tickets, go to rockandcon.com or email rockandconcanada at gmail.com. And we're back with our uh, WWE talk of on the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. We are joined with and David, and we're just waiting for Gord to get back on. David, how are you? You're joining us for the first time. Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Nathan just disappeared for a moment, but yeah, we just finished talking about uh, Backlash and the upcoming Money in the Bank uh, news and going on for the past couple of weeks on Raw and SmackDown, and I'm hoping the other two. Oh, Nathan is back with us. Hello, Nathan. How's it going, eh? Doing well. And Gord is with us. So the four of us can now discuss some of the news around uh, WWE, and we will also do any report in our final segment. So some of the things things I'd uh, thought about was 205 Live. Without the number one uh, contender tournament, is the show still watchable? Or is it back to where it was before Drake Maverick showed up? 
Uh, we'll start with David. What do you think? Uh, I honestly feel like there's been some moments where it kind of goes back to its unfortunate old habits of being the same six people wrestling the same six other people every week. But on weeks like this week, without giving too many spoilers away, as it's technically not aired live here yet, um, every time they go to the UK and they end up having the UK roster involved, it just seems to add so much more. And I almost wonder if they would benefit from having local indie wrestlers wherever they're currently visiting join the episodes of 205. And have them actually uh, do more than just be uh, glorified jobbers? Yeah, basically, like, have you can keep your dedicated 205 roster, but have them face like different local talents wherever they go, but not like as in a jobber contract, like showcasing local talent like they do with uh, the UK. Just have like every time they go to a different uh, section of the world have them have new members of the roster for that specific show because i feel that when 205 is at its best it's when it's introducing new people and kind of shaking things up because right now its biggest problem is it's not that the matches are bad it's just i can only see person a face person b for such amount of time before it becomes stale to me and gord um i i agree with what he's saying like it would be cool uh, a Raw or a SmackDown tour, and it was in Toronto, and, you know, there was, like, they had the 205 taping with some local area Ontario wrestlers. Obviously, the Ontario guy is going to prob- more than likely lose, but doesn't have to job out terribly. He can still have a great match with, say, Mustafa Ali or something, and then, like, it would, you know, it would just make it more interesting. I agree with that 100%. It could work. Will they think of it? I don't know, but it could work. I agree also in the fact that, like, when you only have a roster of, like, 12 guys and you can only shuffle them up so much, you know what I mean? Well, it seems like 12 guys anyways. But, I mean, like, still, with all that being said, like I said on the la- just on the last recording there, where I've actually been falling asleep during wrestling lately, which is so not me, I would still rather watch 205 right now with the same 12 guys and some of the crap they're serving us on the, on the big brands. And then... Yeah, I would have to uh, say that uh, just got to keep the high flying, high energy. What Tool Five Live should be, what it, what you know, light, lightweight. What, uh, what you call it? Those dudes need to live up, or need to be allowed to live up to their name and what they should be delivering. You know. And so, uh, and again, let the wrestling tell the story. Both, and uh, but I do like uh, they should have more uh, British uh, WWE wrestling. They're all player to two oh five live. Yeah, those guys seem to bring out the best in. Uh, Everybody on the roster, whether they show up on 205 Live or over on uh, NXT. And then just next month, I believe the 18th or something like that, 16th, um, they're doing the UK tournament. Might be June 16th, if I recall right. They're going to do the UK tournament again and probably be airing on the network. 
and there's a lot of guys that are speculated to go in that are top stars in uh, the UK that will be new to us. So it'll be great to see that sort of talent rise up. Um, did anybody catch Table for Three the last couple episodes? Not yet, but who were the uh, who were the guests? Well, uh, last week uh, they had uh, AJ Styles, Kurt Angle, and Shane McMahon uh, together, and they were classed as the show stealer. And what I guess stood out most, and we can definitely use this as a topic, is the fact that they showed footage of AJ against Kurt from TNA, and down the bottom uh, right-hand corner was the uh, Global Wrestling Network logo, and then at the end, they thanked Global Wrestling Network for providing that footage and encouraged people to download. Is this something that is shocking to you that they're actually acknowledging somebody else, and who kind of wins in this sort of scenario of two companies working together? To me, that looks like another like big proof of Don Callis being very good at rebuilding bridges. <laughs> and I honestly think, especially uh, since Jeff Jarrett was on the following one, I think he probably had a lot of pull on it as well, because you've had, as soon as Jeff Jarrett came in, I think they started to kind of mend some feelings with impact. Um, and I think, especially when you look at like things like how progress um, is so greatly used with WWE. I think they're starting to realize in order to continue staying on top in the wrestling world, they can't just pretend that indies don't exist anymore. Gordon, Nathan? Uh, I think, yeah. So, when the last one, when I was talking about the stranglehold, I think it's the same thing. WWE obviously wants the footage. They want the... They want all the footage in the past. They want, you know, so they'll do what they can. So they'll they'll strike a deal. They'll work with TNA or, or Global Force or whatever. And I think sure, WWE's already the bigger company, so it's fine. It, obviously, it benefits uh, Global Force Wrestling, TNA, whatever, because I mean, they, you know, they can now expose some of their footage, and they're they can have their little ad there saying download this whatever, and it, it helps them. I mean, maybe I don't. I, I mean, obviously, I, I have the fight network, but maybe people don't. And maybe by seeing that, you might go, oh, cool, I'm gonna go download that and watch more wrestling. So that definitely benefits the. Uh, TNA brand there, you know, Global Force, and with Global Force, they work with a lot of different promotions around, right? They got they bring in guys from Mexico and and Windsor and whatnot. So I mean, like, that's good for if, if WWE builds a bridge that way too. You know, they are also being able to scope out. Basically, they got they got TNA or Global Force doing all the talent searching, and WWE can just steal them away. <laughs> Yeah, we've seen, uh, they've, I think they, uh, they've been teasing sort of, you know, mentioning it previously. I don't know if it was, uh, raw or whatever, but it was like, oh, we know somewhere else you can work or it was something along those lines. I think maybe it was, uh, to, uh, Kevin Owens and, uh, Sami Zayn. Oh yeah, Kurt Angle said TNA's hiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was when they dropped, uh. Alberto Del Patron or whatever, Frank. 
So I, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I think the WWE can talk about whoever the hell they want to talk about. There's the WWE. Nobody could. The TNA should be bringing any any product that the WWE chooses to mention should be kissing Vince McMahon's feet. One hundred percent, because that shit is worldwide. DNA, a small potato. So, uh, I fully, even though the WWE product is questionable at times, you still can't deny it's the best product in the world for what it does. It's nothing bigger. Yeah, I think it kind of benefits everybody, um, at least North America wise, because. Those guys who even left WWE and went to uh, TNA for however long, Bobby Lashley was gone 10 years, the Hardys have been gone 8 to 10 years, and it's now, if this continues, will not be a mystery of, oh, what were they doing for the last while? We can now splice that into their history and canon to know, okay, they went over here and they fought this person. And now, you know, maybe Joe and AJ uh, start up another feud. We can look back at Joe and AJ at, in TNA and see what happened. Yeah. And so their history actually goes all over instead of being a mystery of, oh, did they stop wrestling? Um, so also on table for three this week was Road Dog, Jeff Jarrett, and Elias. And so course that ended the show with them singing with my baby tonight but we also found out that Elias has a special acoustic show coming to the network on uh, very soon and that was recorded during Wrestlemania weekend plus he recorded an album with original music and two Bruce Springsteen covers so what are your thoughts on Elias actually being able to sing and would you be able to interested in downloading or purchasing his music. We'll go backwards, uh, Nathan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm not 12 years old anymore, you know, so I care less. I think it's, but hey, you know, if it, whatever's best for business, right? You know, there's probably a lot of 12, 12 year old kids out there who, who would eat that up. Uh, but I mean, I'm raising kids. You know, so uh, and I don't think I would even raise my kids to buy into uh, into Elias <laughs> or walking with Elias or whatever. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, I would actually probably maybe take a peek on the network, but uh, I wouldn't be buying or downloading. Sure. Okay, but I do, but I do uh, see Elias being a character that. You know, is, is they're doing it right. It's very slow, small doses. He's playing with the audience a lot, as well as wrestling, and it's all sort of playing. You know, like what he's doing with him is actually really, really good. Uh, and and the music and all that is is I mean that's interesting. But I mean, I don't even see him. Being, I guess music wise, it makes sense that he's at the same eating at the same table as. Uh, as Road Dog and uh, Double J, but I don't think that he's in the same league yet as he was 
Okay, so Gord, thoughts? Um, absolutely, I'd buy that album, but I would like I wouldn't put it in my. Uh, it's like I have a, a shelf with CDs. I wouldn't put it with my real CDs. It'd go with like my novelty wrestling stuff. You know, what I mean, like it would just be a fun thing I bought related. And uh, uh, same thing. I, I kind of think it's weird. I think Elias is getting the weirdest push I've ever seen someone get. It feels like to me, like that dude was like it seemed like they were gonna push him to the moon a few short months ago, and then the last little while on uh, he's been on shows getting like squashed or beaten up by someone real bad or almost humiliated in a segment it's not that it doesn't benefit him but i mean like it's not i don't know it's weird it's like he was on top of the world and then he's getting squashed and then like meanwhile they got a uh ride-along episode with him where he's all by himself in a limo and then they're doing you know like they said they're gonna do a network special just on him only and like he's still getting pushed in like social media platforms for the network and stuff like that. And he's, you know, he's still getting pushed on TV, but it, it's like the weirdest thing. It's like up and down, up and down right now. But, and guys, I'm a huge Elias guy. So it's, he's like ultra talented. I wish best things. Like I wish he'd be a champion soon, but I mean, it's weird, but yeah, I'd totally buy that album. And I'm hoping that more Elias, more Elias, more Elias. And David, your thoughts. Uh, if, I'm buying it on vinyl the moment it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> we have a giant sound system downstairs with like this my dad's old uh vinyl player that still like works like it's brand new and like the sound that comes out of that is just incredible. So I'd love to mark out and put that record down and listen to Elias be a jerk for forty minutes on record. Yeah, I'm. I think we need to see the uh, network special before uh, investing in uh, any album. And at least with in my case, I have uh, the Spotify uh, app, so even then I can download Elias's album if it's any good, or delete it afterwards. Um, I guess recently on uh, Jericho's podcast. He mentioned that he was the backup plan for uh, Shane McMahon to tag with Dan O'Brien had Shane not been cleared. Uh, would you have rather seen that uh, tag team of Jericho and Brian versus Sammy and Owens, or are you satisfied with what we got? Gord? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. It's fine. What we had was fine. I don't know. Jericho's awesome, and Jericho's a legend, and Jericho's great, and you know you can speak forever about Jericho. But he's off doing his own thing with his podcast and then his New Japan little stint there. It, it wouldn't have mattered. I don't think it wouldn't have made it any better than what it was. Really, he would have been one and done and gone again. I don't think he's like definitely not back. So I mean, it wouldn't have really mattered. Okay, David. I personally would have preferred that. Um... For me, I felt the biggest problem with that match is there was so much Shane McMahon before we even got a tag in from Daniel Bryan. And I get that they were trying to build uh, anticipation, but I mean, we had years of him being injured for that anticipation to build up. (laughs) Found the match itself to be kind of lackluster. It wasn't bad, but I think personally, I'm such a fan of Chris Jericho. I think that would have just made the match even better. And I think the four of them kind of would match the style better. I mean, especially, I know 
Chris Jericho wasn't in the Indies until now, but at least that kind of gives whereas like before it kind of just felt like a McMahon part-time wrestler kind of shoehorned into a story of three people that like had indie ring of honor kind of ties so he kind of he kind of felt like the odd man out of it but i guess it also made sense because he was the commissioner but from a from a personal standpoint from match alone i would have preferred to see jericho yeah, and it seemed kind of weird with all the injuries that uh, Shane supposedly had going into it with diverticulitis, a hernia, and God knows what other other ailments he had. He still took like 10 minutes of the starting of the match, got all his uh, big bumps in, including the coast-to-coast, before we even saw Daniel get in there. And you're like, why are you doing this if all these ailments are – actually legit um, yeah uh, nathan i think i got cut thoughts? off for a bit of that question yeah ducked out um just that it was revealed on jericho's podcast when he was talking with dana Bryan that i guess he was the backup plan had shane not got cleared would you have preferred to see what we got or jericho in shane's place uh no i was fine yeah would have done it it would have maybe that'll happen eventually down the road you know who knows so everything happens we can save that for another day um kind of confusing right now with uh, there's been a lot of talk in the news about John Cena's relationships or lack of relationships and so is it all scripted for Total Divas and Total Bellas, or what's going on? Is it legit that they break up because, you know, he uh, he didn't want her to be held back from having kids, or and is he now seeing another uh, woman in WWE? What are your thoughts? Plus, actually, before that, he showed up on the Today Show yesterday, and he was saying that he still wants to be with Nikki and wants to be her husband and wants to be the father of her children. So are we getting mixed messages? Is this all for ratings? What are your thoughts? We'll start with David. I'm really hoping it's real life because, I mean, relationships are difficult. And I can see, especially when you have all the circumstances that they're under, it being hard to make it work. But unfortunately, I also could see their schedule just causing them to have to reschedule the wedding and them getting paid a high amount to basically fake a breakup until they get back together again. I'm really hoping that's not the case, but I've seen the whole WWE and media do a lot of really cheap things to sell headlines. And Gord? Um, I literally could care less who John Cena is dating or marrying or not dating or sleeping with. For me, I don't really give a crap about what they're doing in their personal life. I don't really want to, I, don't, I, I think it's probably tied in to, so, so they can obviously do stuff with Total Divas too. I mean, maybe it's real, maybe it's not, maybe it's all been, I mean, they did that weird wedding thing at the WrestleMania there proposal. I don't know. I don't care really. I'm, if he if he is hooking up with Carmella, props to him because she's a gem. But I mean, I don't. Other than that, whatever. 
Well, it certainly sounds uh, on par with uh, the WWE writing, you know, uh, one second, uh, you know, like they're, they're over, uh, for, they break up for the very reason now that uh, they're talking about uh, what they're doing. So it's like the classic, uh, yeah, it makes no sense, pretty ridiculous. So, uh, but I care less about uh, anybody's relationship. With them. You know, like, <laughs> it's not my business. So, uh, I don't know if it's a TV show or whatever thing, but uh, no, it's like uh, what people slide people So, uh, I. Yeah, I can definitely agree with uh, you and, uh, well, with all of you in that sense because, you know, I don't watch the Total Divas and Total Bellas or any of that because it's overly scripted and or real, depending on how you look at it. But when it starts affecting what I see on a pay-per-view, like when they proposed at in the middle of the ring during WrestleMania, you know, now you're tying everything in. And you know, I'd rather see my WWE action, not reality TV crossing the lines. Mm-hmm. But it just totally seems, true. just seems with everything that's going on and how it played out, it's all for ratings. To, oh, let's see what's going to happen on Total Bellas that leads to them breaking up. But they're going to now be renewed for two more years. So, do you now see how the breakup went and lead them back to each other? And like, hopefully that doesn't tie in still more to what we see during Raw, SmackDown, or pay-per-views. And our final topic in this uh, segment is something that was posted on the Scumbags Wrestling page on Facebook was that maybe there should only be one main title and that should be the main event regardless of who's holding it. Because as we saw at Backlash, the title match with Shinsuke and AJ wasn't the main event. And it was the main title that was on the line. And then you had tag team matches and Roman closing out the show. So in that regards, do you think we should get rid of the universal title, have only one main title that floats between both brands since uh, they were using now co-branded? And then each brand could have their IC or US title and figure out number one contenders for the champion. Would this make more sense for the WWE or leave it as it is? Gord? Hey, was that what? I was uh, just wondering, do you think you should no, no, get rid of... Uh, oh, yeah, okay. I just had a weird thing happen there, but okay. Oh, yeah, uh, no worries. Uh, yeah. Two titles or one? I think uh, two titles. I just think that, like, I think two. But uh, they, they need to work better on how they do their placement of the matches during the pay-per-views. They're, like, realistically, Roman and gender. Or what was... Yeah, no, Roman and... and uh, Smojo? I'm on a blank here. 
Yeah, there was like I mean that's a good match and all whatever, but I mean like it wasn't it wasn't the main event material. I mean it should have been any of the titles should have been above that. So I I mean just they gotta figure out they gotta you know give shit where it should do and say hey we we need to book this properly. That's all. Okay, and uh, David. Uh, I think they made a really grave error in not giving the belt to Roman. And I say this is not a fan of Roman myself, but I think if that's the guy and they want that to be the guy, give him the belt. Because whether I like the main event or I like the main champion is not going to make me watch or not watch the whole rest of the product because they have a really great roster in general. But it makes no sense for them. Basically, it's like they lost the belt as of Fastlane. Because, I mean, Gold- Goldberg won it, lost it on his very next match to Lesnar, and then Lesnar just kind of shows up sometimes and never gets rid of the belt. When I remembered many champions having to get rid of the belt because you have to defend it each month, which is apparently a rule for everyone but Lesnar. And I think if you want Roman to be the main event, that's fine, but give him a belt. Because you can't you can't have all of the championships be defended and then be like, oh, also Roman, who is more important than all of our titles, is also having a match. Absolutely agree with that. Word. They're gonna I have, think also go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say they'll probably have Brock lose it at a raw on a raw, you know, totally unexpected. I think uh in regards to Roman as well, like David was saying. I agree with that in in like tw- in two senses of that. I think in the very beginning, if you go way back, I've said this since the very beginning, when Roman was in the Shield, but he was in the Royal Rumble and he was eliminating people like crazy. It was the year that uh, everyone wanted Daniel Bryan to be in it, but he wasn't in it, and it was Batista that won it. People were cheering for Roman like um, like insane. If you go back and watch that tonight, he was so over that they should have, like, I don't know if they can do it or if they do do it, but they should have called an audible and had him win and not Batista. I was and, there. And, and uh, like, Roman was, if that, that night right there would have changed the direction that they were trying to put Roman in forever, but they didn't do it. And then, so there's grave error number one. Grave error number two is, like, David's kind of like the, what David's saying is, like, they, they want Roman to be the guy. They keep touting Roman's the guy. They keep pushing Roman down our faces, which is fine. I, I like Roman, so I'm not against it. But... They're not like put the title on him in and make him the guy and then let us you know then let it happen like the match there at the Rumble the greatest Royal Rumble where they had like this weird ending and then Brock Lesnar was still the champion Roman should have won we we, we kind of all felt that Roman was gonna go over there and that was where he was gonna beat Rock Brock and then all of a sudden they came out Brock resigned with the WWE and blah 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 it kind of felt like Roman was gonna walk away with the belt and then maybe go into a feud with Samoa Joe that's kind of what it was felt like it was gonna happen. But then it didn't happen. But I think they need to they need to make the move with Roman that they want to make and and and, and then follow through. Yeah, sorry to live and die on the sword. If they're going to put him in the main event, as David's saying, then put the belt on him. If it doesn't work, then you know, like they did with other champions before, like Ultimate Warrior, they took the belt away from him because he wasn't getting over with the fans. So then they put it slaughtered to get it back to Hogan. They can do the same thing now. If the even putting the belt on Roman doesn't work, give it somewhere else and learn your lesson that he's not a main event player. But if it works, then put the belt on him. I still say 
I still say you give him the belt, and then you turn him, give him the belt, give him a month of getting booed as the champion, and then make him turn on the crowd and become heel. Within a year, everyone will be in love with Roman. Absolutely. We've all been pushing heel Roman forever. Like, I mean, like, it makes complete sense. Whether it's by himself or with a Paul Heyman or something, I mean, just do it. It seems to be the formula that has worked for some of uh, WWE's top stars in the past. Like, if you look at The Rock, he was white meat babyface, and everybody hated him. He all of a sudden uh, turned on the fans, did the whole nation domination thing, and people started cheering him. So then he ended up going back to being a face after becoming a top heel. And then it really didn't matter which side he was on, but he had to prove himself as a heel for the fans to even like him. The same thing could be for Roman. But you can tell that The Rock, in a, in a different case, you can tell The Rock really, really worked ultra hard to own his craft. Like, you, you, you those three different rocks that you just said there, and all three of them are like, you know, sun and moon difference. It's insane. Uh, Nathan, anything you want to add to this topic? Uh, I wish that the hardcore belt was still a thing. And uh, um, Amen. And, and Crash Holly was still a thing and would win it and, all? Uh, uh, <laughs> Crash Holly and uh, friggin' the third Dudley brother, whatever. Spike? Spike Dudley and... Uh, Jerry Briscoe, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, having the one belt is, uh, and just a side note with Roman too, is, uh, I think also WWE's going to run into a little bit of a problem right now where they are, some of the guys that they want to be in the top guys are not really the best mic workers. And that really help, does not help them, their case at all. Roman's not the best mic worker. We all know it. Big Cass is coming up now, and they want to give him a big push, and he's not very good on the mic. I mean, they really have to really work on that if they want these guys to be in the big picture as well and be the guys on the shows. Yeah. I personally really liked uh, Big Cass's first giant promo back when he like really outed Daniel Bryan and – he had that like long, almost like five plus minute speech on Raw. I thought he actually did very well, especially considering what little mic work he did in the past. Uh, that one wasn't terrible, but the one on SmackDown tonight was not good. <laughs> well, at least that was probably better than uh, Bobby Lashley getting tied up by his sisters in the woods. Wherever <laughs> that's going, and uh, Sammy's bringing the sisters next week to Raw. Oh yeah, that's I love that. Sammy's in. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. This is gonna be a good. I can already tell it's gonna be a good segment. That's some guy. That's one guy, Bobby Lashley, that they should have had turn on uh, Braun at uh, Backlash, but instead we're going to get bullied by my sisters. New Bailey, this is your life. Two point Good so, for Sammy. I'd like to thank you guys for this segment and we're going to return in just a moment and we'll finish it up with our indie scene and we'll talk a little bit about uh, the All In and StarCast that's coming up in uh, September. We'll be right back. All right. 
I'd like to take this time to thank those who bought the Scumbags Wrestling Raw Parody t-shirt through your purchases this past weekend at Smash Wrestling event. We gave Cody Diener $50 towards his April campaign of The Giver for charity. For the month of April, he was supporting the Rumble Camp for the Deaf and will continue to do so through the month of May as he's going to be up in Collingwood doing an event to help raise more funds where the camp is located. I had the pleasure of meeting Chris, his inspiration for doing the Rumble Camp for the Deaf, along with his father, and they are so thankful for everybody who makes an effort to be a part of their campaign. On that note, we're going to continue ourselves and support the Rumble Camp for the Deaf and join Cody with raising more funds. While I was at the Smash event this past Sunday, I was able to get signed a Scumbags of Wrestling Red Raw Parody t-shirt with all the talent from the show, including Sebastian Suave, Cody Banks, Cody Diener, Tyson Dukes, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, Daniel Garcia, Kevin Blackwood, Kevin Bennett, The Muscle, Vanessa Craven, Jody Threat, and many more. This shirt we're going to raffle away, just like we did with the BCW tickets. So if you want to be a part of it, 100% of the money that's raised through this raffle will go to, to Cody Diener and the Rumball Camp for the Deaf. Contact me through your Facebook page, Twitter, or on email at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. You can purchase spots on our raffle wheel. Three spots for $5 or 10 spots for $10. I accept PayPal and e-transfers. Let's show everybody that even though we call ourselves scumbags, that we're far from it. And we love helping out our community, just like Cody Diener. In the words of Cody Diener... Giver for charity. Time to step away from the WWE scene and look at the goings-on on the independent scene. We'll start off with a report from fellow scumbag David Sisson, who took a trip to Toronto along with fellow scumbag Jason Watts to enjoy Ring of Honor's War of the Worlds. David filed this detailed report. Hope we enjoy, and we'll get back to our roundtable talking about talking about the all-in event coming to Chicago along with StarCast. Take it away, David, and thank you for your report. Hello, scumbags. This is David Sisson reporting uh, on the War of the World show between uh, Ring of Honor and New Japan that took place uh, this weekend over in Toronto. Uh, it took place at the Ted Reeve Arena, and for those who have never been, it is a bit of an odd arena. I'm going to go on a tangent on that really quickly. Um, it's sort of like an old uh, skating rink, and they basically put the whole stage and everything on the rink itself, and then you have to go through penalty boxes in order to make it to the floor, which is kind of quirky, but, like, they dressed it up to look super nice when the, it was low light, so, like, it looks like a million bucks on pay-per-view, but at there it was kind of odd. 
The only problem is if you need to get anything to eat, if you need to use the bathroom, if you need to basically leave your seat for more than five seconds, it takes up a good half hour of your time, which is kind of a downside. As such, I missed most of the dark match, unfortunately. I know that it was between the dogs versus the boys, um, and the dogs were victorious. I did see a couple really good spots from actually the kind of balcony on looking while I was in line for food. Um, there was uh, one spot where they were kind of on top of each other's shoulders kind of battling. It looked like it was one of the boys on top of one of the dogs and one of the dogs on top of one of the boys. Like It was kind of like vice versa. And there was a few good dives. There were some good spots. Uh, according to the online, um, it was only a five-minute match. So me missing most of it, I guess it seemed much longer at the time just because I wanted to get down there and see it because I had ringside. Uh, but apparently it wasn't too long a match, so basic dark match. Uh, the main card started off with Jay White versus Punishment Martinez, and that match was absolutely fantastic. It was a perfect way to start off the show. Uh, Punishment does some really crazy moves for his size. He is one of the tallest wrestlers I think you can, you can ever see, especially for his leg size. His legs are about like twice the size of the top half of his body. There were a few times I was worried about how Jay White landed just because some of his moves are almost a little more to the side than you'd see with like another wrestler just because of his body shape. Um, but they did some really good spots, some really good. It was a really good match. Um, and at the end of it, funny enough, Jay White uh, ended up retaining because it was for the uh, IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship um, because Punishment Martinez was about to use a chair, but uh, he was interfered by um, Adam Page, who came out and pulled the chair from him, thus allowing uh, Jay to do uh, his finisher. I believe he did a switchblade. Um the next match was very short, and it was kind of an unannounced match. Was uh, Bully Ray came out, and <laughs> Bully Ray got really mad and started telling everyone how like the streamers they were throwing at him was a stupid thing, and he it just made the crowd do it even more. And he got really mad, and it was really funny. Uh, he basically did an open challenge. Uh, Cheeseburger came out. Um, I think the match itself was also under five minutes, and that was basically because <laughs> Bully basically destroyed him. The the highlight of the match was um, this, it was like a powerbomb over the f top rope, and the way that uh, Cheeseburger landed, he nearly did a flip from how hard he hit the the, mat, the ring. It was really good. Um, Bully Ray ended up um, throwing him onto uh, the ground without any padding. And then at the end of the match, Cheeseburger technically won by disqualification, but Bully Ray definitely came out on top. Um, next match was, uh, Tetsuya Naito versus, uh, Beer City Bruiser. Um, fantastic match. I didn't, don't always give Beer City Bruiser as much credit as I think he deserves. He really, he really did good in this match. Um, Naito did all of his, you know, usual high spots. Um, at one point, Beer City Bruiser uh, dropped him really... It's hard to tell because there were a few botches after this happened, which made me wonder if it was an actual accident or not. But the way Naito hit his head was really not good. And then he almost missed a 20 count out uh, to the point where at 18, 
he went to get back in the ring and he tripped and then got back in at 19. And then um, he did do one of his destinos, but he had to do it a second time because he tripped up. Now, that could be because of Beer City Bruiser's size, too, so that could have just been a regular botch. But he seemed a little a little knocked silly for a few minutes after that, which was really worrisome. But otherwise, the match was incredible. Uh, Naito ended up going on top with a destino. And, yeah, being up personal bias i'm a huge lij fan so i was super happy to see any lig wins that night um but yeah at the end of that match and the young bucks match there's a couple me and um jason watts fellow scumbags got a really good close-up with our signs at the uh the end of that match and the next one match was young bucks versus super smash brothers uh or as i like to call it in my own head cannon it was uh bullet club versus um Malice. Uh, the match itself was really good. Um, probably either match of the night or close to match of the night, if not like it was the, at probably match. Of the, it was it's a tough call between that one and the main event, but oh, it was crazy. It was it was there was two matches where it felt like it was Ring of Honor versus Smash Wrestling, and this one they were well represented for sure. Super Smash Brothers did some moves I didn't even know that they could do or have ever done um to the point where usually you know young bucks are known for their high spots and their craziness but super smash brothers were almost equal in the sort of stuff that they were doing and they just did an absolutely incredible match they got a this is awesome chant they got a fight forever chant and it was incredible young bucks won but as soon as young bucks won there was a huge chant and then everyone started chanting for ssb so it ended very well and then surprisingly finished up with uh them all both teams being uh attacked by the briscoes which of course is leading up to uh, i believe is it night three or night four i believe it's one of the upcoming nights is going to be the briscoes versus the uh young bucks and i don't know it may, may not be on uh, war of the world's tour but it's definitely coming up so that was kind of a lead-in uh, then we had intermission. Uh, near the end of the intermission, there was a uh, Women of Honor match, which was your technical second Ring of Honor versus Smash Wrestling. Um, you had Tennille Dashwood, for those of you who are not familiar, previously known as Emma from WWE. Uh, she tagged with Jenny Rose against Alexia Nicole and Zandra Bale. Um, unfortunately, it was a dead, dead, dreadfully quiet crowd, and I think just from coming from the Young Bucks match, that was a hard match to follow up on, and... I don't think Ring of Honor displays their women quite as well as most of the other companies. I think they're kind of a side attraction. But the match itself was good. Um, not too much to note from it. Uh, the Ring of Honor ladies won. It was great. It was good. Um, unfortunately, the crowd wasn't really into it, but it was a fun match. Uh, going back into the latter half of the card, um, we had SoCal Uncensored, uh, which is Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky, uh, versus Rapongi 3K, which is Rocky Romero, Sho and Yo. Um, really fun match. Um, they were really, lots of really high spots, such a, you know, all your typical um, New Japan style, but they were, it was, Rocky Romero can really work a crowd it was really funny he would always get a bunch of like show and yo chants going when one of them was you know getting beat up on or hurt um definitely not like one of the best matches of the night but it was a really fun match and uh at the end of it socal and censor did win 
Um, then you had Silas Young versus Hangman Page, which was for the uh, Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Before it could start, um, uh, Adam Page was attacked by uh, Punishment Martinez, and he was out for a little bit, and basically Silas Young was saying, oh, well, you're here to see a match with me, so start the bell now, and if he takes more than the 20 count, then I win. And then I think he got to about 15, and then finally Adam Page got back in, and they had themselves a solid match. Um, Not too much to note about it. Uh, Silas Young ended up winning, but it was a decent match. Uh, then you had Cody versus uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Great match. Um, this almost relied more on more methodical technical wrestling than it did high spots. And it was really good. Cody really got the crowd fired up. Um, Jushin really got the crowd fired up. The two of them just work so well off each other. For Their styles are a little like very different, but they just did a very well-crafted match together. Cody ended up winning. Great match. Uh, and then the main event uh, was supposed to be an eight-man tag team match. Um, and it was originally the other four members of uh, LAJ, uh, which are Hiromi Takahashi, Sonata, Evil, and Bushi. Uh, ended up becoming a six-man tag team match, so Bushi was just on the side. Um, Kenny King and Jay Lethal were a part of that match, as they were both announced to be. The original announced people for the other two in the team were Dalton Castle, who unfortunately was injured at the previous uh, night of War of the Worlds, and Flip Gordon, which was not there, and I'll get to that soon. <laughs> so it was just the two of them, and Jay Lethal basically got on the mic and said that there's nothing wrong with shaking up a card, especially if you have the talent to replace them, and then Colt Cabana's music hit, and Colt Cabana was the third on their team. Um... Cole Cabana uh, is so fun with a crowd. If you ever get a chance to see him wrestle live, it's great. His crowd interactions, fantastic. Basically makes it feel like you're having a conversation with him between yelling back and forth with him. Uh, but from what I could gather, someone <laughs> near us was yelling, where's Flip? And Colt Cabana just goes, uh, Flip forgot to be a big boy today. Flip forgot to set in his alarm. And part of me thinks he's just being silly, but another part of me could really see Flip Gordon forgetting to set an alarm and miss his flight to Toronto. So, it ended up being a three against three. Um, Bushi had a lot of really good, like, little spots, like, out in the crowd, uh, some cheap shots. He unfortunately didn't get to see any of his high-flying moves, any real big action from Bushi, which was unfortunate. But he, he was part of the match. Um, the other six involved just pulled out all the stops. Um, there was this long section of Colt Cabana versus uh, Daryl Jr., which is uh, Takashi's uh, stuffed cat. Um, that got a This Is Wrestling chant, I think, surely out of, like, fun sarcasm, but it was hilarious. There was so much comedy. There was so much high-flying. There was so much, you know, high spots. There was so much technical wrestling. There was so much... The, the ring mentality was just perfect, that whole match. And it was just, that was the one match, I think, of the night that was over 20 minutes. And it was it was perfect. It was like... Everything you'd like in a wrestling match kind of just done over a 20-minute period. Uh, one of the coolest things to note was near the end of the match, um, Jay Lethal ended up doing back-and-forth um, suicide dives between each half of the ring, basically taking out all four members of LIJ one at a time, um, which included many many moments of us getting smacked by the... Uh, 
by the barricade, which if you ever get ringside at a Ring of Honor show, it's that's a fun little painful but fun roller coaster ride you can have being in the front row. <laughs> um, at the end, um, Cole Cabana ended up getting sprayed by the Black Mist by Bushi, which for me really made up for the lack of him being able to be in the match, so it was still really good. And uh, at the end, LIJ ended up on top and won. Uh, and then the end of the pay-per-view basically ended with uh, Naito coming back out to join the other four members of LIJ. Uh, they did their signature face uh, fist bump. And uh, both Evil and uh, Naito cut a promo. Crowd went wild, and that was the end of the night. Um, yeah, so uh, War of the Worlds Night 2 in Toronto was fantastic. Uh, back to you guys over at Scumbags of Wrestling. And now for your Ontario Independent Wrestling Events Calendar, brought to you by RoggenCon, June 8th and 9th in London, Ontario. This is your Ontario Independent Wrestling Calendar. On May 18th, Superkick Pro Wrestling presents Key to the City, featuring Tyson Dukes versus Solo Ali. On May 27th, Alpha One Wrestling comes to Hamilton, featuring the Space Pirates, Western Med Connection, Kobe Durst, and Gangrel. And rounding out the month of May, on May 31st, Greek Town Wrestling presents Thursday Night Wrestling at Legend Sports Lounge in Toronto. Five matches for $10, only 100 tickets will be available. Coming up in June... On June 1st and 2nd, Border City Wrestling will be hosting Impact Wrestling tapings. These will take place at Sinclair College and will feature the debut of Rich Swan. Also on June 2nd, Acclaim Pro Wrestling presents Superstars Challenge at 7.30, featuring APW Champion Shitty Dash Bison, Big Magic, and Scrapper James Stone. On June 2nd, Barry Wrestling presents... Gold and Glory 3, featuring Brent Banks, Joe Hendry, Von Vertigo, and Sebastian Suave. On June 3rd, Smash Wrestling presents the Northern Tournament, two shows in the same night. Round 1 features Joe Hendry versus Kevin Bennett, Tyson Dukes versus Joey Mercury, Brent Banks versus John Greed, and Matt Riddle versus Mia Yim, plus many more matches in the first round. The second round will take place later on that evening to crown the winner of the Northern Tournament. June 3rd also sees Destiny Wrestling recording an Impact Wrestling one-night-only show featuring Austin Aries versus Rich Swan. On June 8th, Classic Championship Wrestling comes to the Chatham Kinsman Fair. And finally, on June 16th, Smash Wrestling comes to Dresden, presented by the Kings Hockey Team. The Scumbags Wrestling will have our own VIP scumbag section. We have 20 tickets available. 15 have already been claimed. We have five more tickets to sell, and each are worth $20 a piece. Let's come on out to Dresden and support these uh, young hockey players and support Smash Wrestling. For tickets for Dresden, please contact me on the Facebook page at Scumbags Wrestling or on Twitter at Scumbags Canada. Tickets for all the other shows of just mentioned can be found through their individual websites or at the arenas where they will be held. Go out and support your local independent wrestling. 
This has been your independent wrestling report brought to you by Rockin' Con. just heard that's d schneider getting ready to party with his pals lita ford danko jones and peter chris and many more are you coming to the party don't be left out limited vip tickets are still available get them today on saturday june 9th enjoy the rock and con night of legends the ultimate vip rock and roll experience at the london music hall tickets available through ticketmaster.ca And this has been your independent wrestling calendar presented by Rockin' Con. Okay, and we're back with our final segment on the third episode of Scumbags Podcast. I'm going to thank David for sending in the uh, ROH War of the Worlds report. And we're going to talk now about the All In and StarCast coming to Chicago September 1st. Gord is back with us. I believe Nathan and David should be joining us again in just a moment. So, Gord, what are your thoughts on uh, All In selling out in under 30 minutes? Uh, Like I said earlier, I think it's great. Good for those guys. I mean, uh, personally, this is what I think the wrestling business needs. I mean, I'm obviously an advocate. I, I support all the companies, you know, Smash, all that kind of stuff. I, anything that these guys, can, these companies can do to grow, I'm all for it. And that's just awesome that they sold out that quick. I'm a little jealous, jealous and envious of anyone that's going. It could be a nice little road trip to go to, but unfortunately, I got some other stuff I'm going with my family to around that time. So, but I mean, yeah, great for them. Good for them. It's going to be a blast. They're going to, Chicago is going to benefit. It's going to be a little. A little event for the area, and it's going to be great. I think it's awesome for them. Yeah, um, it's interesting, though, that that happened and all the history that uh, came with it because it was almost a year ago that Dave Meltzer said that ROH couldn't sell a 10,000-seat arena because nobody in North America has done that other than WWE and since WCW folded. And Cody took that challenge along with the Young Bucks, and figured things out and pulled the trigger and now we have the all in all sold out and yeah it's 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 there it's there i mean you can tell with the product that's in nxt the product that's in uh uh 205 the product that's in the uk division the product that's in a lot of these indie companies uh roh New Japan is not really an indie company, but you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? All these companies, the product is different than the WWE's main product, and it's there, and it's there. It's people want it, and it's clearly showing. Yeah, the ticket sales the, it alone just uh, proved it because when you look at whenever, say, WrestleMania goes on sale, half those tickets 
are gobbled up by scalpers and uh, different bots and uh, secondary uh, markets. Yet for this 10,000 seat arena show, it was in the hundreds, not the thousands that went to the secondary uh, market. And that means a good chunk, definitely 9,000 plus made it to actual wrestling fans firsthand at the price that they were quoted instead of inflated prices. And I yeah, and that's awesome too. And I think that uh, Chicago, I, I would like to think, anyways, is a is a wrestling town. I think you know a lot of. I think it it helps. It, and not only is it a wrestling town, but there's a lot of areas around that people would buy tickets from and go drive. Look at a lot of Canadian residents will drive down there to Chicago. We've already seen on the Scumbags website on Facebook that there's tons of guys that are going. And I mean, like. People will go. People will drive from Toronto. People will drive from, you know, other states that are close to it. I mean, it's a good area. It's a good geographically. It's a, it's a kind of, it's a product that's wanted right now. It's really hot right now. And uh, I think, it's like I said, good for them. Like, awesome. And then uh, tying that all in, and not to be mistaken, uh, it must be associated with the event because StarCast, and they spelt it, like Starcade and Cody's, uh, how Dusty Rhodes spelled Starcade. In this case, it's Starcast. Uh, they're going to be doing a weekend uh, stuff with every podcast that, or at least the top eight podcasts that are out there. And they're all going to have panels plus availability for uh, guys like us, if we could afford it, to uh, have our own booth and have talent uh, on our shows. And some of those uh, podcasts are going to include Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, uh, Bruce Pritchard, I think Jim Cornette. And uh, as I said, there's four more that I can't think of at the moment. But what the biggest announcement that came out of that was that CM Punk is going to be at the Pro Wrestling Tees booth. Your thoughts on that? Uh, Yeah, he's from Chicago. And I mean... I, I imagine that with like, CM Punk always touted Ring of Honor. He was always a Ring of Honor guy. I imagine he didn't uh, leave on terrible terms, I don't think. I don't know for sure, but I, I don't – it doesn't seem so. I mean, and he's probably got – you know, his, a lot of these guys are probably his buddies. I'm sure he's got no hard feelings with Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and whatnot. And, I mean, he says he's done with wrestling and he hates wrestling. I think he held a lot of hatred towards WWE – and it was tired of that grueling schedule. And I don't see him not doing one-off appearances here and there and stuff. And I think once you – we can all say it as fans. Once you love wrestling, you love wrestling. I think the same thing is there for CM Punk deep down. And this is kind of an event that's perfect for him because he can get s- slowly back into the wrestling world at his own pace and do what he wants to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, during that weekend, he's got a special VIP uh, show that's going to include 200 people and there's different pricing where you can get a shirt or a picture or uh picture and autograph combo and all that but do you think he'll actually show up on uh all in and is it in a wrestling capacity or in just a pipe bomb drop the uh, uh situation uh, right now it's hard to say like 
I think uh, for me personally, I would love to see him in some sort of wrestling capacity or even just an interference capacity to set up a further wrestling feud down, down the line. Cause if you think about it, right? Like if, if uh, ROH somehow incorporates CM Punk in, if he comes in at the event and like trips up Cody Rhodes or interferes or something, whatever, something small, and it sets up a, a match down the line of like, say Cody Rhodes versus uh, CM Punk, wherever they go, whether it's in, you know, wherever another state that's going to sell out. You know what I mean? Like they, that would help them tremendously. So, I mean, and then I, and I don't think CM Punk's against it. I don't think he's against one-offs here and there. I really don't. So, I mean, it will be interesting to see. I think he will somehow have a factor in all in. I do. Yeah. Well, you also are mentioning though, that um, ROH and the connection there, but it almost seems though that this event is not necessarily an ROH of the talent that's coming in. Some of it includes Billy Corrigan bringing the NWA uh, title belt with uh, his champion. Rey Mysterio is going to be there. And it's more of an indie uh, program than an ROH program. And so then is there a chance that this is almost a start of Cody's own promotion with the Young Bucks? And where does it go from there? Maybe, but it's also I think I think the Indies have have understood now that there's more success the more they work together. If you look at the, even even Global Force, like I said earlier, the way they work with Mexico and they bring their guys in and they go down to you know Windsor and do the Border City stuff, there's more success that way. And if if Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks can work with Ring of Honor and then work with you know, New Japan and work with other Indies all around the states, North America, Mexico, it's only going to bring success for them. So, I mean, whether it's his own company that he's starting, which I don't think he is, but if maybe, but if, if he just bands together with all the indies and NWA and everything and all the, all the, like anything with some sort of history, it, it's all, it's all good for them. It's all good. You know, all, all success. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so David has uh, been able to rejoin us. Um, David, we were just talking about the all in uh, show how it sold out in under 30 minutes and the possibilities since CM Punk is going to be part of Pro Wrestling T's booth at StarCast, could he be a part of All In as well? So uh, we've just been talking about it, but throwing it out to you, David, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, just specifically on CM Punk or just like in general with the whole All In? In, in general, the uh, All In, how it sold out, what to expect, and also CM Punk's involvement. I think it'll be a good show. I think if CM Punk is involved, it will probably be something small, sort of like how retired wrestlers show up to like two of their most famous moves or take a bump or two. Um, I think, and it's funny because I just recently went to uh, the Ring of Honor uh, New Japan War of the Worlds in Toronto there's definitely a sort of hive mind with really big bullet club fans. Like when the young bucks came out, it was feverish. And despite the crowd being hyped the whole time, it was almost like when the young bucks were out, people were louder than normal and people were really super into them. And I think popular being the elite was, 
I think they're doing this all in, not from like a rude, cocky standpoint, but from like a cocky standpoint where they're saying, I bet you I can make a show all by myself and people will come immediately just because I'm running it, which obviously proved to be true if it sold out that fast. Uh, but I don't think it's them branching off so much as it's them doing their own kind of special show, which is with StarCast, I think, was does, is that something that Cody was mostly involved in making? I'm wondering that too, because of just the way this it's spelled, it's exactly how his dad spelled Starcade. Starcade. With yeah, the double R. All right. So I'm definitely thinking it's connected. And as you did say, it's them showing that, hey, we can do it. And they're proving Dave Meltzer wrong because he said they couldn't sell out 10,000. Yeah. And I think it also might be a wink to like some of the bigger companies like WWE too, because you can tell they kind of un, un like under, um, oh, I can't think of the word, but they, they don't think that they're going to sell as well as them or like, they don't think you can just sell 10,000 seats if you're not WWE. And I think that's them also trying to prove just how powerful the Indies have been. I mean, it's a small thing, but when you look at like, Bullet Club and even like the Young Bucks with their like pop figures, they're being sold in stores that is basically them or WWE and nowhere else. And I think they're trying to make that push to show that indie wrestling is soon going to have be a second competitor, much like WCW or TNA used to be. Because right now there isn't really a second competitor that is on the level of being threatening to WWE. And I think they're almost trying to show that they can sell that much. And if they keep growing, that they're eventually going to be part of a brand that can compete against the WWE. So is this a one-off? Is it a once a year uh, event like a WrestleMania or does it become more events throughout the year uh, to keep this going? I think at least it's going to be a once a year thing, especially something like Starcast. Because I think, especially since it's a play on Starcade, I mean, you look at the tattoo Cody had, the the theme music he chose, the the way that he dyed his hair. I think he's so, you know, so big into honoring his father that he wanted to do his own sort of version of Starcade. I don't think this is to compete against the indies they work for or say they're better than them. I think it's kind of like how WWE would have. Starcade um, as something that uh, Dusty came up with. I think this is just their version of this is the show that we put on that we made, but it's for all these indie promotions that we support, not us trying to do our own agenda. But I could be wrong. That's just what I'm taking from it. And Gord, do you think it's a one-time uh, deal or uh, a yearly thing? It, I, I think it will become more. I think right now, like yeah, the perception was that we they, they, they probably wanted to prove to everybody and to themselves that they could sell ten thousand seats in a in a in a place, you know what I mean, or whatever. And like I agree, not not in a rude, cocky way, but like in a yeah, we can do this cocky way. Like and I think that's where the that's where the whole mentality started from. And then yeah. and, and but I think that once now that they've they've seen the result and the confidence will be there 
and they will it will it will continue on. Maybe it will start off as a once a year continue on, or or once every six months or something. But it will they will they will venture out now and and own company but they'll venture out with other indies and and joint ventures and stuff and they will try to continue going around and selling big venues and having their own events for sure like and i like it ties into what i said earlier about uh with all the indies working together the more that work together the better so if nwa comes on for a show i i i say new japan but they're not really an indie but they kind of are in my mind but i mean like at least for North America, they are considered the. Uh, but I mean, yeah, any of these guys, if they can put it, we see these cards that come around our our area sometimes, and they're they're mind blowing, and they're and they're only indie cards, you know. What I mean, like Destiny Wrestling or, or the one that the War of the Worlds he was talking about, and I mean, the more these guys work together with these companies and in, in, in North America, especially, the better for them, and the, I think we'll see more of it. Okay, well. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what happens and who all goes. And uh, I know there's a handful of scumbags out there who uh, were fortunate enough to get in on the ticket buying. And so there's definitely going to be some representation and we'll get some uh, feedback, live uh, reports from them in the coming months. So moving on to more in the independent scene, there's, a lot of uh, upcoming shows, which will be highlighted in our uh, event calendar. But I guess for us as scumbags, the uh, important one is going to be in Dresden on uh, June 16th. And the uh, local hockey club is uh, putting on a uh, show with Smash Wrestling. And it's been revealed that the uh, one match is going to be uh, kill screen against well-oiled machines for the tag team titles. And we have uh, tickets available uh, for that show at $20 a piece, and we have VIP seats. So we're going to have a, a group of 20 uh, there, and we're looking for a sellout and help out the local team. What do you think of indie uh, promotions doing charity events? I, I like it. I think any, any bit helps, right? I mean, whether whether you, you know, you go to your workplace and you auction off something and you make a hundred bucks, or you, you know, you hire a company to come in and try and raise some money and do it. I mean, it's all for charity, so any bit helps. It's all it's all good, right? I mean, and with Smash, we we've, we've met those guys and we know who those guys are, and like they're good people, so they're gonna do good for the you know. It's, it's a win-win for both. They come to an area where they're already kind of around doing their stuff, and they're helping out a, a nice charity too. So I mean, I think it's great. And I guess leading that uh, way. Oh well, David, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Uh, I don't have a whole lot to add other than it's it's awesome. Like any. Anytime you can help a charity is awesome, and it just shows like what a positive group wrestling fans can be, and so many of these promotions are to want to reach out and give back to the community. Is June sixteenth uh, Father's Day? I uh, I think this Seven- Sunday is the seventeenth. It's Father's yeah. Day. Hmm. The Saturday is the sixteenth, which is in Dresden, and only an hour away from us. So. Are you guys doing a a carpool down, a road trip down? Yeah, we'll be doing multiple cars going down. I know Jake has uh, his whole family going. 
Nathan's taking his family. I got my car uh, with seats available. So we're going to do that and have 20 uh, rowdy scumbags uh, supporting uh, them. So if anybody's interested, they can contact us on Facebook or through Twitter and uh, fill those five other seats. And speaking of charity, we're also helping out uh, Cody Diener with his giver for charity, and he's still supporting the Rumble uh, Camp for Death. And we, I was able to see all the talent from our last show here in London, No More Mr. Nice Guy uh, with Smash Wrestling, and all the talent that was there signed the shirt, and we're going to raffle that off and give the money to Cody. I was there when you were collecting the autograph. That's pretty sweet. That shirt looks pretty sweet by the end of it. Yeah, so there's pictures of it on the Scumbags page and also on our uh, uh, Scumbags website, which can be found at scumbags.ca, and you can find out how to uh, be a part of that. Tickets are going to be uh, 3 for $5 or 10 for 10 and like I said, 100% is going there. We've already contributed $50 towards the uh, Rumball uh, camp for the deaf and uh, before that we did $125 for the seniors home in Exeter so uh, definitely encouraging any of our listeners and uh, followers on Facebook to get in on this and we'll uh, go all the way up until actually the Dresden show and get them involved and do the draw then So, yeah, on that note, I'd like to thank both of you for being with us and Nathan. And uh, we'll get this uh, podcast put together and hopefully out in time for a uh, Wednesday morning launch. Awesome. Right on. So thanks again. And we'll uh, look forward to our next episode, which eventually, through our friend on the podcast, page greg sheen who has connections at the cjbk studios locally here in london he's offered us a chance to record if there's a uh, group of us willing to uh meet up with them and yeah. so i'm going to attempt to get either uh cody deaner or tyson dukes to uh, join us and do an actual live interview face to face instead of over the phone yeah i was really bummed out i really wanted to do that the last few days when he was posting that and uh just the way stuff's been going, getting the house, you know, things like personal stuff. You got to get your house ready for spring and summer and all that kind of stuff. It's just no time, Mother's Day, all that stuff. And Yeah, really, it was just bad timing. I really wanted to go to that studio. That sounded like an awesome thing. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of time. Greg's got it available for us. And if we can uh, hook up live interviews with uh, local talent, then they'll make those uh, recordings really special. Just to touch one, just for one minute, just to touch back on that Smash show in Dresden. I saw that yeah. that was announced for Kill Screen, but when he, when I had heard at the last Smash show in London, I don't know if any of you guys heard this, that Scotty O'Shea had like tore his ACL or something. I heard that too, and it was odd because I saw them. They're advertised for a lot of tag team matches. Yeah, he's on. So a I'm, lot one, of cards. I'm wondering if maybe it was an initial scare that it was like a torn ACL, but it wasn't yeah. bad. And maybe it was a sprain or something. Yeah. Or he's just going to get punched when he walks out and then work 
on the floor. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, it just seems odd because no other no other dates were canceled. So I'm thinking maybe they initially thought it was that bad, but then it turned out to be not that bad. Yeah, because yeah, if it was the night before our show here in London, you know, it, it's touch and go, not knowing. And by that time, the Dresden show happens as well. That's going to be six weeks since our uh, show April 29th here in London. Yeah. Yeah, but an ACL, right? Sometimes that takes a lot of time, right? That is that is months. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I I just I heard that, and then I seen all these posts, and I didn't see any posts about like coming out of the Smash Camp about him being replaced or anything. So I thought, what the heck's going on there? Well, we can uh, definitely look into Scotty O'Shea and see uh, what the deal is, and see if he'll uh, get back to us, and uh, we'll get confirmation on that uh, injury that was reported. True. True. Right on. Well, yeah. Did you, you cut that part out about uh, Dylan Andrews? Well, I was just wow. noticing. I was just noticing our time. But if we'd like to stay on, then we can uh, talk about Dylan Andrews because actually he's going to be uh, next week's scumbag spotlight uh, on our scumbags uh, .ca page. And just to highlight uh, Dylan, uh, he was. Born here in London and now lives in Dillonopolis. Uh, he's six foot two, two hundred twenty-five pounds, and started December of two thousand nine. And uh, actually, his birthday is going to be in November, and he'll be thirty-two this year. So, just what are your thoughts on Dylan Andrews? And uh, did you see him before Smash? Or is your only interaction with him at Smash? Uh, for me, I I know him outside of Smash a little bit. Like he ran in the same circle as some people I knew, and I got to know him through Smash. But then outside of Smash as well. And I mean, I was just at a wedding with him two weeks ago. And as far as Dylan Andrews the character goes, he um, is very highly entertaining. I mean, for being a I guess you could say a lower card guy on the Smash roster. I mean, no offense, Dylan, but I mean, he's he's pretty entertaining and he he gets a good reaction out of the people. He's fun to watch. And uh, as far as Dylan Andrews outside of Dylan Andrews as James the person, he's a really good human being. He's uh, I, I've met his girlfriend, his fiance, and 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 they're really nice people. And he's a really nice guy. So I mean, he deserves everything he's working for. He's good. He's a good dude. So, yeah, we. Uh, I was like, my uh, husband designed his uh, latest T-shirt and uh, autograph print. His shirt. Yeah. So we the Dylanopolis one. So we had a we had a chance to see him a few times outside of uh, the wrestling role, and I couldn't concur anymore. Him and his family, just absolutely fantastic people. Yeah, uh, I've only run into him a couple times. So, unlike yourselves. I don't know him personally, but I my first experience actually with him was when he uh, was Casey Andrews uh, over in uh, Tri-City Wrestling out of Kitchener a few years ago, and he was in a feud with Anthony Darko over the title. And we were there with uh, Alex, Wendy, and uh, Jason front row, and the fight went all over the place, and there was a chant uh, for everybody to use Jason's wheelchair and they actually contemplated using his wheelchair at the time 
and until he waved them off. So that was kind of awesome that they interacted like with that. And I found that uh, match actually recently on uh, YouTube. And I think I'm going to post that as the match of the week as well uh, with uh, him being the uh, scumbag of the week. I'd so, love to see that. <laughs> it was quite the match. I ended up going out to the parking lot and then coming back in and they were all over the place. So yeah, he's definitely some guy that uh, along with Dukes and Diener would love to uh, get on our show and uh, get to know more of and get him out there. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's very humble. Like I, I don't got a bad thing to say about him. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm happy when I see him on any smash card, even if it's the opening match, if it's halfway through, if he gets to, if he gets the chance to wrestle in a you know a main event type match at Fanshawe against Tyson or something. It's, I mean, anything he gets, he, it's well deserved. I feel he's a nice dude. So. Yeah, his vignettes with uh, Tyson hyping up the Fanshawe shows are always uh, hilarious. hilarious to see, and it's a shame he hasn't left Fanshawe College yet. <laughs> but yeah so uh and this new persona that he has of dylan versus the world has with that heel turn has actually maybe freshened up his character and even if it's as your uh chicken chip baby uh like heel uh dodging everything and having the backup with whoever his uh sidekick of the week is Oh, it's a brilliant, brilliant Other. character. I mean, it's he kind of. I for a while when I first saw him wrestle, not many people were reacting to him at all. And the moment he came out with that character, it's just he's the guy you love to hate now. And that that character has been doing wonders for him in Smash. And there's certain, you know, in all levels of wrestling, whether it's the big top WWE or uh, you know an indie wrestling like Smash, there's certain methods and 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 stuff that, that are tried and true they work time and time again and this is he dylan's not the first guy to play this kind of character and it, but, but he's a guy that can play this kind of character he has the humor the wit the you know he can make this character work and i mean when you have a guy like that that go for it man like it, it will definitely be like david said it's the best character he's played and seen so far and it's great so i mean go for it yeah, so on that note, uh, I'm once again looking forward to uh, seeing him. I hope he shows up at the Dresden show and uh, even at our next uh, Smash show with CCW. And he's always a favorite. So thanks a lot for uh, bringing that up. I was going to skip it. I didn't want this show to keep on going longer and longer, but it's definitely worth uh, giving him a spotlight. Right on, yeah. Well, I mean, I knew it was coming to a close, but I thought we could get Dylan Andrews a little, you know, a little yeah. talking here. I think he'll appreciate that. <laughs> we'll be sure to tag him and make sure he knows about it. Always time for the hero we don't deserve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we're not worthy of that hero. <laughs> so, yeah, once again, I want to thank you two for joining me Uh tonight and also Nathan who had to skip out on the uh, third part of their show uh, we're going to hook this up again and eventually make it to studios and basements work still too so have Wonder a great night on. guys and we'll uh, catch you on the next show alright guys Take have care, a great guys. night
And that was episode number three of the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Once again, we'd like to thank David, Gordon, and Nathan for joining me. We'll be back next time with more talk from the independent scene and WWE. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at Scumbags Canada. Over on Facebook, you can find us on our Scumbags of Wrestling page. And online, you can find us at scumbags.ca. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.